Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Oh, as Kath said, we are continuing our series, I'm In. Now you may remember, we actually started this series a couple of weeks ago and it was kicked off by Dan McGaw. Dan did a fantastic job at kicking off our series. How about we give Dan a hand? Because Dan spoke about I'm invited and the fact that all of us are invited into God's house. But along with that, it means that we have a responsibility to invite others and to help them to accept the invitation that is on offer. And today we're going to be continuing the series I'm In. And we want to do this series off the back of Vision Sunday because Vision Sunday we launched our theme which was we're better together. And so off the back of that, we wanted to look at what does it actually even mean that we're better together? And so we started off by talking about I'm invited. And today we're going to talk about I'm invaluable. Come on, say it with me. I'm invaluable. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're invaluable. I'm so glad that you said that. The problem is I'm concerned we don't believe it. You see, we don't do invaluable well. We often want to put a value on something so that we know what is actually even happening. See, as I asked you to say, I'm invaluable, there could have been for some of you that little voice in your head that said, no, I'm not. It may have even been for many of you. For some of you right now, when I said turn to the person next to you, you weren't the person that got turned to. And in that situation, that little voice in your head might have gone, see, told you. I'm not invaluable. No, no one told me that I'm invaluable. And I'm here to tell you that you are invaluable. Regardless of what that little voice in your head tries to tell you from time to time, every single one of us in this room is invaluable. We don't do invaluable well because we know that invaluable means beyond calculable or appraisable value. Invaluable means of inestimable worth. Invaluable means priceless. And we struggle at times to see ourselves as priceless, as of inestimable worth worth. But church, it's just not true. And right from the very outset, I want us to pray. Because as Pastor Tony says, whenever we preach a message, there's two preachers in the room. There's me standing up here and I am declaring God's truth to you this morning. But there's the preacher that's in your head that's going to be talking at you faster than I can talk to you. That's going to be trying to tell you things that aren't of God. And so right from the outset, let's pray and let's ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate truth to us today. Holy Spirit, as we sit here this morning, we want to open ourselves up to you. We want to open ourselves up to the possibility 
that we actually even are invaluable. And where that small voice in our head tries to tell us otherwise, we say, no, let me hear truth this morning. Holy Spirit, won't you come and illuminate truth today? As I share, Holy Spirit, won't you help me communicate to the best of my ability the truth that is in your word? Amen. We don't like to admit it, but as a society, we place value on people. When you meet someone for the first time, yes, you're interested. Yes, you ask questions. Yes, you want to know what's going on in their world. But at the same time, you're ticking over in your head where they're at relative to where you are. Where do you live? What car do you drive? Oh, that's a nice car. Value being ascribed. Maybe... It's just because of the very old or the very young and so we don't feel as valued because we can't contribute to society the way we used to be able to or the way we may be able to into the future and so we put a value on. Maybe it's around the area of education. Maybe you didn't finish year 12. Maybe you left school early and so you have a value that's placed on you. Because of that, I'm here to tell you today, church, that every single one of us is invaluable. You see, we get caught in a comparison mindset and we rank ourselves and we rank other people based on a scale that we have in our head. And I'm telling you today, church, we need to flip the scale. We need to get the scale to be God's scale today. We don't need any more of what do I think, what do I feel. We need to know what God says into our situation. We need to flip our scale and bring God back into the mix. You see, I am invaluable to God. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, Ashley. Are you really saying that? I I know that God is invaluable to me. I know that when I found Jesus, my world changed. I found Jesus and oh my goodness, God is invaluable to me. But do you know that you are invaluable to God? In Matthew 13 verses 45 to 46, Jesus is talking in parables to the people. And he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. I remember hearing this parable in Sunday school. I remember hearing this parable and saying, hey, when you find Jesus, Jesus is the pearl of great price. And he is. But can I ask us to look at this scripture again? Because the scripture says the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus himself came to earth to bring the kingdom of heaven. No one actually was better at bringing the kingdom of heaven than Jesus. And so maybe, just maybe in this parable, whilst it's true that we find the pearl in Jesus, maybe, just maybe it's true that Jesus finds the pearl in you. You see, maybe, just maybe, you are the pearl of great price. And in Jesus coming to earth to bring the kingdom of heaven, he says, I'm coming after you. 
maybe, just maybe the pearl is you. Over my time, I've bought and sold many things. I've bought and sold a number of cars over the years. And when I come to that time where it's time to sell a car, I do my research. I'll look up Red Book, I'll see what else is advertised, I'll see about where the market is. And then I'll find my price and I'll advertise it. Do you know what I've found every single time I try and sell a car? It doesn't matter what I think it's worth. It actually doesn't even matter what it's worth to me. You see, right now, I've got a car that's not worth very much money, but it's reliable. And therefore, it's actually worth more to me than what it's actually worth. It doesn't matter what I think it's worth. It doesn't even matter what you think it's worth. Do you know what matters? The one person who's going to buy it. That's what matters. The one person out there that's willing to part with their hard-earned money. That's what determines the value of my car. About five and a half years ago, Kathy and I sold the house that we were living in at the time. And we went through the same process. We spoke to our real estate agent. We set a value. We had it all sorted. And to someone, our house was worth more than asking price. Woohoo! Never happened on any car I sold, let me tell you. <laughs> but for someone out there, my house was worth more than what we were actually asking. What determined its value? Wasn't me. Wasn't the real estate agent. What determined its value was what someone else was willing to pay for that item. I know that for me, my life was in a space where I had a separation from God. The sin that was in my life, the wrongdoing that was in my life had caused a separation. And God loved me so much that he wanted to deal with that separation. And so God, in the form of Jesus, left the splendor of heaven came to earth, died a horrific death for my sin and was raised again. In 1 Timothy 2 verses 5 to 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself up as a ransom. Say the word ransom. Ransom for all people. Now we know that a ransom is usually paid to a kidnapper. Someone who has taken something away. Maybe a hijacker. My life was hijacked by the sin that I'd experienced. My life was kidnapped. My life was taken away from me because of the sin that was in me. And Christ Jesus was my ransom. He came to take away my sin. But what did he pay to take away that sin? He didn't come and pay a million dollars 
for my sin. He didn't pay a trillion dollars. He didn't even pay a world for my sin. God paid the amount of God himself as my ransom. What's my life worth? What someone else is willing to pay for it. God paid the amount of God himself for my life. And that's what makes me invaluable. And it's what makes you invaluable. That God loves you so much that he's willing to pay the amount of God himself as the ransom to get our life out of being hijacked or kidnapped. If you don't feel valuable this morning, I can understand. If you don't think you're valuable, I can understand. We've all been in that space. Flip the scale today because you are invaluable to God. You are the pearl of great price to God. Allow the truth to sink in, to resonate in our hearts. God, I don't get it. I wouldn't pay God himself for me, but he did. And it only takes one to determine the value. And God determined your value at the level of a ransom of God himself. Do you know what? You're not just invaluable to God, but you are invaluable to God's people. You know, we've themed this year better together. We've themed this year all around us being involved with each other, which means we actually have a responsibility to each other to bring who God has made us. You see, I know there are things in me that you need, and I know that there are things in you that I need, and that's what makes us better together. It's because of our differences that we are indeed better together. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 14 to 20, it says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason Stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Do you know, physically, we are greatly affected when part of our body goes missing. When I was in my mid-teens, we had friends coming over. My mum asked me to light a barbecue. Simple task, one job. Our barbecue was not like modern barbecues. Our barbecue had to be lit with a candle. And as I was lighting that barbecue, as I was putting the candle into where the burners were, I was met with a fireball coming out the other way. 
I can still remember seeing the individual tongues of fire as they came over my head. I remember the heat. I remember the smell of burnt hair and flesh. I remember the heat of the flames as it engulfed my head. My mum bundled me up in the car. We went off to hospital. My eyes had actually been fused shut. Now, I'm not sure whether it was just the eyelashes that had fused themselves or the skin itself, but either way, I, I couldn't open my eyes. And we got into the hospital, and the nurse that was there, again, this was a small country town. The nurse was literally the nurse who lived next door to us. The doctor was the doctor who delivered me at birth. The nurse that was there forced my eyes open. And what they could tell was that the glaze on my cornea had been melted away. When you look into someone's eye, you can see that it's quite bright and sparkly, the moisture that's there, plus the cornea, bright and sparkly. Mine looked like scratched glass. There was no moisture, just a, an abrased surface. And so the nurse said to me, hey, look, you know, congratulations, you get to stay with us for a little while. And for three days, literally, I was blind. Literally, I had iPads put over my eyes. They were only allowed to be taken off twice a day. When the nurse would come in and squeeze an ointment across the cornea of my eye, it felt something like plaster paste. Sure, it wasn't that bad, but that's what it felt like to me. For three days in a foreign place with no eyesight. When a part of your body goes missing, everything changes. Everything changes. I had to work my way around my room by feel. My thought process changed instantly because no longer can I avoid obstacles from my eyes. But I have to think differently. I had to move slower. I actually caused myself more injury because of the injury. I knew that it was exactly 10 steps across my bathroom. But by day two and a half, I was getting a little bit more confident. And my burnt face into the wall on the opposite side. It changes everything about us when a part of our body goes missing. The body is forced to compensate. Our thought patterns change. Movement is slower and there's a greater risk of injury. Church, you are invaluable to God's people. When you choose not to engage as part of the body, it means that the rest of the body has to compensate. The rest of the body has to think differently. The rest of the body has to move more deliberately, more slowly. There's greater risk of injury to the rest of the body. You are invaluable to the body of Christ. 
Now, you may be sitting there today and say, hey, Ashley, I get that. Maybe you're an I. I'm not an I. But that's what the scripture is addressing. The scripture is actually addressing, it's not a matter of what part you are. It's a matter of playing your part. That's the point. And that's what makes you invaluable to God's people. If you choose not to engage, and that's your choice. But if you choose not to engage, you force the rest of the body to compensate. You force the rest of the body to change, to morph. I'm not an eye, I'm only a little toe. Do you know what? It's still important. If your little toe goes missing, it causes you to walk with a limp. The body compensates. Come on, we're better together, church. You are invaluable to God's people. There's things in you that the rest of us need. Let's re-engage again. Let's make sure that we're playing our part, regardless of what you think it is, because you are invaluable, and you're invaluable to God's people. Have you ever bitten your tongue? What happens? You start chewing on the other side until you forget. And then you go back and it's like, oh, you bite your tongue again. Come on, church. Let's not cause the rest of the body to walk with a limp. Let's not cause the rest of the body to grope around in the darkness. Come on, church. Let's make sure we're playing our part so that victory can be all she can be because you are invaluable. The third thing, you are invaluable to God's work. You're invaluable to God. You're invaluable to God's people. But you're also invaluable to God's work. After the cross and the resurrection, Jesus' earthly ministry was coming to an end. He gave these final words to his disciples, found in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey, to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For the church, these are probably the most important words from Jesus. Jesus came to bring the, hev bring the kingdom of God to earth. But he wanted to make sure that when he left, the kingdom of God stayed on earth. Not just stayed, but continued to grow, continue to thrive here on earth. This is the Great Commission. This has been the mission and the mandate of the church for the last 2,000 years. And it will continue to be the mission and mandate of the church until Jesus Christ comes back. These words are of primary importance. We're all invaluable to God's work because it's his plan to work through us so that we can continue. It's actually our availability and our willingness that directly affects our effectiveness in this area. Can I get a little bit honest with you this morning? Previously, this scripture has conflicted me. When I read it, 100% agree with it. 
100% yes and amen it. But you sort of got to because it's in the Bible, right? So you sort of don't have a choice but to yes and amen it. More than that, they're actually the words of Jesus. If you can't yes and amen the words of Jesus, we're in trouble. But then there's a conflict that occurs. And for me, the conflict occurs in two areas, or occurred in two areas. The size of the task. Disciple the nations. I I don't know if I can disciple the nations. I don't know how I do that. The size of the task is too big. And then being an overthinker, if I overthink it too much, it causes a paralysis to set in. The size of the task is too big. I don't know where to start, so I don't start at all. And so there's a conflict with what Jesus said. For me, the second area of conflict, I don't feel qualified. I actually don't feel like I can do that. Even if I wanted to, I don't know if I have the skills. I don't know. Can, can, can I really do that? I think we need to break both of these two areas down. You know what? Maybe, just maybe, you don't have a platform that's going to go to the nations. That's okay. You may not be able to go to the world, but you can go to your world. Let's not start so big that we can't do it. Let's just start somewhere. I may not be able to disciple the nations, but I can disciple my family. You know what? I may not be able to disciple the nations, but maybe there's some other people out there that need a mentor. Maybe I, can, maybe I can do that. Maybe there's some older people in the congregation who just need a help. Maybe. Maybe I can do that. You see, let's not get confused by discipling the nations, discipling the world. Let's disciple our world first. Let's activate where we can because you're invaluable. To God's work. You know what? You may not be able to disciple the nations, but I can invite someone along to a bloke quiz night. I can invite someone along to kid go. In fact, I can, I can pay for them to go. I can remove obstacles so that they can attend. I can invite them to church. In fact, I can pick them up. I can remove obstacles. You're invaluable to God's work. There are people in your world that for whom you may be the only Christian that they know. You're invaluable to God's work. Start with your world. And let's go from there. Shane Willard spoke about this the other night. He said, when you see a need that is in your capacity to fulfill it, not if you see a need that you can't fulfill. That's scripture. Scripture is if you see a need that you can fulfill then open yourself up and meet the need. Let's do what we can, church. And let's not stress over the things that are beyond. As we each individually reach our own worlds, we will reach the world together as a church. The second area is the area of feeling unqualified. Do you know what? As a society, we place a really high value on being qualified. And I'm pro-education. I am for being qualified. 
I want to know that my mechanic is qualified when they take the wheels off my car and put them on again afterwards. I want to know that if I need to see a professional, they're qualified. I am for education. The problem I think we have is that when we don't feel qualified, we're happy to leave it to the professional. Now, for most of the time, that's good. But for some of the time, that becomes our excuse to not do anything. Leave it to the professional. Can I take you back to Scripture for just a moment? Can someone please find in the Bible for me where it says that the work of the church should be left to the professional Christian? Should be left to the pastor? It's not there. There is no such thing as a professional Christian. It's us playing our part in the work of Jesus Christ. Let's not let a lack of qualification stop us for two reasons. First of all, if there is a genuine lack of qualification, that's telling you to do something. Go get the qualification. If you feel unqualified, then maybe, just maybe, you need to find the qualification and get qualified. But that's not what this scripture talks about. Let me take you back to verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. When I went to uni, studying a math science degree at Adelaide University, Adelaide University had the authority to declare me qualified. As I've gone on to do other study, the institution had the authority to declare me qualified. This scripture says all authority in heaven and earth is with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has the authority to declare you qualified in this area. Go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them in my name. Church, you may not feel qualified, but Jesus Christ himself has qualified you for this work. And so therefore, maybe, just maybe, it's not qualification. Maybe it's just skill. And if it's skill, it can be learnt. So let's not hide behind a lack of qualification because you are invaluable to the work of God. Finally this morning, Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Church, what should we do with this message? The first thing we should do is deal with the first point. If I do not see myself as invaluable in God's eyes then working with God's people and working with God's work, I'm not going to see myself invaluable there either. It starts with us recognising the truth of God that we're the pearl of great price, first and foremost. And once that revelation sinks in, then, then we're invaluable to God's people 
and to God's work. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.